Tonight, if you have your copy of God's Word, I'd like for you to join me in Joshua chapter 5. We're going to turn our attention unto verses 1 through 12. While you turning there, let me go ahead and express my thanks and gratitude to the session, to Pastor Caleb and all of you for permitting me this opportunity to share the Word of God with you on tonight. Joshua chapter 5, looking at verses 1 to 12, herein is the reading of God's Word. As soon as all of the kings of the Amorites, who were beyond the Jordan to the west, and all the kings of the Canaanites, who were by the sea, heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of Jordan for the people of Israel until they had crossed over, their hearts melted, and there was no longer any spirit in them because of the people of Israel." At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, Make flint knives and circumcise the sons of Israel a second time. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the sons of Israel at Giveth Haraloth. And this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All the males of the people who came out of Egypt, all the men of war, had died in the wilderness on the way after they had came, come out of Egypt. Though all the people who came out had been circumcised, yet all the people who were born on the way in the wilderness after they had come out of Egypt had not been circumcised. For the people of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness until all the nations, the men of war who came out of Egypt, perished because they did not obey the voice of the Lord. And the Lord swore to them that he would not let them see the land that the Lord had sworn to their fathers to give to us, a land flowing with milk and honey. So it was their children whom he raised up in their place that Joshua circumcised, for they were uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. And when the circumcising of the whole nation was finished, they remained there in their place in the camp until they were healed. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. And so the name of the place is called Gilgal. To this day, while the people of Israel was encamped in Gilgal, they kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month in the evening of the plains of Jericho. And the day after the Passover, on that very day, they ate the portion of land, unleavened cakes and parched grain. And the manor ceased the day after they ate of the produce of the land, and there was no longer manner for the people of Israel, but they ate of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. This concludes the reading of God's word. May he bless us and enrich us in our time together. Let us go before the Lord at this time. Gracious God, our Father, we come now, we bless your holy name. We thank you for this 
opportunity to share your word. We pray now that you would enlighten our hearts, our eyes, and our ears to be able to behold the wonderful truths of the counsel of your word. Lead us now by your spirit. We pray all these things in your son. In Jesus' name we do pray, and we say it together, amen and amen. A covenant is not a contract. In modern times, we define uh, a host of our relations by contracts. Contracts are usually made for good and services and for hard cash. They can be formal or informal. They can be verbal or nonverbal. In my day, a simple handshake was good enough to constitute a contract because you gave your word that constituted that you were going to live up to the words that you had spoken, but not these days. Many times we have to get things in writing because we want to ensure that people are held accountable for what they have said that they will do. But the Lord did not make or establish a covenant with Israel, nor with his church. What he did was created a covenant by which he committed himself to giving himself for the complete body of Christ. Take, for instance, informal agreements of a patient who fails to meet a doctor's appointment. The doctor don't call you and say, where are you at? Why you didn't show up to your appointment on the day? No, he, he doesn't do that. He just simply take note of it, go in and instruct his secretary and tell her, take note of it, and he moves on to the next appointment. But God is not that way. Thank God that he remember us in his covenant. It reads in Isaiah 49, 15, the Lord says this, and he asks a question. He says, can a mother forget a baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though the mother may forget, the Lord says this, I will not forget you. Behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hand. How is it that we should live in response to God's commitment towards us? I'll give you two words that will help us tonight, and that is preparation and celebration. This is going to be drawn out in our text, whereas we'll see God is telling the people of Israel to prepare for the promised land, and it was by two means. Number one, it was given by a covenant sign and seal, and then secondly, by a covenant meal. As we look in our text tonight, Joshua verses 5-1 uh, is a deliberate and intentional echo of Joshua chapter 2 verses 10 and 11. You will hear these words of Rahab, which is constituting her faith in the Lord. She is now helping the spies of Israel evade capture from the guards. Listen and, just, and tell me whether or not these words bear any remembrance of Joshua chapter 5. And she said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land. 
And that fear of you has fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the waters of the Red Sea before you and came out of Egypt. And what did, uh, what did to thee two kings of the Amorites and were beyond the Jordan, Sion and Og, whom you devoted to destruction? And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted in fear. And there was no spirit left in any man because of you. Watch what Rahab says then. She provides a summary statement to draw out the emphasis of what would be the remaining verses in the text that is set before us this morning on today. It says, for the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. These words underscore the entire section that I'm going to be covering on tonight. These words share with us that God is God, therefore worship him and live in obedience to his decrees and commands, and you will eat the good of the land. Rahab is doing something more than just trying to save our hide here. She's doing more than even trying to, to preserve our life. What she is doing is establishing and announcing her confidence and faith in Israel's God. Whereas the kings of the Amorites and the Canaanites <laughs> and all the inhabitants of the lands, their heart melted in fear and sadness in, God, in face of God's strength and power. Watch this. Rahab's heart melted in faith in God's strength and power. Verses 2 to 12 then shows us how we should live in response to God, our sovereign God. What is our duty uh, that is required of Israel? What is our duty personally on tonight as we seek to enjoy the promised land? Well, first of all, our duty, verses 2 to 8. Israel must prepare themselves for God's promises by receiving the covenant sign and seal of circumcision. Look at verse 2, if you would. It says, at that time, the Lord said to Joshua, make flint knives and circumcise the sons of Israel a second time. Before Israel could proceed into the promised land, the people had to prepare themselves spiritually. And the timing of God is just perfect. That's the kind of God we serve. His timing is perfect. The Lord orders Joshua to circumcise the children of Israel at a time when they would not be vulnerable to attack. Why? Because the king's hearts melted and they were afraid. I remember a movie that I was once watching. You may be familiar with it as well, and, you, and most of us probably have watched it. It's called The Lion King. It's a scene in The Lion King where they're in the cave. These hyenas is talking amongst one another, and Scar comes in and interrupts the conversation, and they're talking about how to take over this kingdom. And then one of the hyenas mentioned, he said, Mufasa, and the other hyena responded by saying, woo that's, that's, that's a name with might and power. And he said, 
Say that name again. I just shiver and shake every time I hear that name, Mufasa, and say, Mufasa. <laughs> and she said, do it again, Mufasa. And he's shivering and shake. That's exactly how the kings are feeling at this moment. They are terrified out of their wits as to God's glory, his majesty, his power, and his strength. They were afraid to attack, attack Israel because they knew they could not win against this powerful God that they had. Before Israel could proceed into the promised land then, they got to prepare themselves spiritually. They must take on the covenant sign of the Lord, and that is circumcision. So the Lord says to Joshua, circumcise the son of Israel a second time. The circumcision of Israel takes place uh, upon the express command of Yahweh. Note how Joshua responds to the Lord's command. He responds in obedience. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the sons of Israel and giveth Haraloth, which mean heel of foreskins commemorating the event of the day. The first generation of the Israelites perished in the wilderness because they were disobedient. They continued to murmur against the leadership that God had placed against them, Moses and Aaron. And therefore, the Lord swore that they would not see the promised land. In fact, they would die in the promised land because they were disobedient. And so the Lord says to him. Circumcised the sons of Israel a second time, for they had not yet been circumcised because they, during that time it was a halt on such a thing. So he tells them to circumcise themselves, to prepare themselves for the blessing that they were about to receive, the promised land. They would be the people of God that was raised up to inhabit the land as the new covenant community. They must bear the sign of the covenant, of which Abraham formerly received in Genesis chapter 17, a seal of righteousness of faith, as Paul has termed it. Eugene M. Merrill puts it like this. He says these words. Circumcision was the sign of an outward conformity of the covenant ideal and was not only perfectly acceptable but required. However, it was not enough if it was only a physical and formal thing to do. More importantly, circumcision was the inner conformity to the requirements and purposes of God. It was circumcision of the inner man. That's what is in view here. Circumcision serves as a sign of Israel's commitment and devotion to God and God alone. It is identify them as the people of God. When Joshua completed the circumcision of the sons of Israel, they were given a furlough, a time of rest, a time in which they could heal. And after that healing, watch the perfect timing of God again, the Lord spoke. Today, I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt. 
Egypt's reproach was actually occasioned by the Egyptians observing the Israelites wandering around in the wilderness for 40 years and they were dying. And then they would have to vaunt and exclaim against God, look, I told you that your God couldn't keep you. But God is faithful. God's promises are yes and amen. Now Israel reproach has been rolled away in the place that it was done. It was called Gilgal, which means to roll. No one could bring accusation against God any longer uh, to say that he was unfaithful to his people or unable to keep them. No, God is faithful. Not only must Israel prepare themselves by receiving the covenant sign and seal of circumcision, they also must prepare themselves by receiving a covenant meal. Exodus 12 and 6 instructed them to kill the Passover lamb at precisely the 14th day of the month at twilight. The Passover is important because it was a proper preparation for them to receive the promises of God. Israel must prepare themselves. This festival commemorated their deliverance from the slave uh, enslavement of Egypt. This reflection of this event would immediately direct Israel's attention to the goodness and the graciousness, the mercifulness of God, that he had delivered his people out of bondage. Here they are, they're preparing for that Passover meal, and just at that moment, this Passover meal actually inaugurates a dawn of a new day. A dawn of a new day. It was the beginning of something new, something better. As the people of Israel sat in the plains of Jericho, they could then have joy and celebrate in the goodness of God as they began to dream of inhabiting this land through their obedience that their fathers had failed to do so. Israel had not completed God's requirement of preparing for God's promises by partaking in the covenant sign and seal and also now the covenant meal. Now what is there left to do? What, what exactly is there left to do? There's nothing more left to do than to take possession of the promises of God. Look at, if you will, at verses 11 and 12. The Bible says, and the day after the Passover, on that very day, timing again, they ate of the produce of the land, unleavened cakes and parched grain, and the manna ceased that day after they ate of the produce of the land, and there was no longer manna for the people of Israel, but they ate the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. Rather than Israel being supplies God's provision now from heaven, he directs them now, you're not going to get manna from me that is coming from heaven, but now you're going to be able to get it from the land that you're about to inhabit. <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? How the Lord is still making provision for the children of Israel. 
So how then, as I rush to a close here, how then does this text apply to us? Well, it applies to us because we now, by the confession of our faith, have became part of the covenant community. We have confessed our faith in the Son of Jesus Christ, and by virtue of doing so, we have now taken on ourselves a circumcision. And that is the circumcision of the heart, that we should walk uh, circumspectly in this world. For we are only sojourners headed to the promised land that is being prepared by our Christ. You remember the night in which Jesus was betrayed? He took up bread and he broke it and he said, take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. In the same like manner, he also took the cup and after supper, saying, this is the cup of the new covenant. He covenants himself through his death. And by virtue of his death, he rises and ascends to the right hand of the Father, and he pours out his spirit upon us to do what? Circumcise our hearts. Not only do we see the circumcision in view, but we just uh, quoted for you 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 and forward. That tells us we should partake of the Lord's Supper. Notice what he's doing. He's causing us to reflect upon his goodness, his sacrifice that he will give unto us as he goes away to prepare a promised land for you and I. If we expect to see the promised land, brothers and sisters, we too must circumcise our hearts. We must walk circumspectly in this world as strangers here below looking for that blessed place in which he shall come again and receive us unto himself and so shall we forever be with the Lord. Remember the benefits that have been conferred unto you by the goodness and the graciousness of our Father who sent a son to die for each of us that we may have life and have life more abundantly. Let us pray. Gracious God, our Father, we thank you now for the hearing of your word. We pray that you will continue to illuminate and instruct us, the Lord God, as to how we should live, the Lord. With the circumcision being placed upon our hearts, we should be a walking and living billboard to all men declaring that you are God. That's the purpose of circumcision, to call us unto yourself, to differentiate us from the world. And then we partake of the meal. We thank you for the body and the blood of your son, Jesus Christ, that was sacrificed on a hill called Calvary. Thank you for your obedience, even unto the death of the cross. You died, you raised, and by virtue of your raising, you have committed and commended your righteousness to us. We thank you now. These and many other blessings we ask in giving your son. In Jesus' name we pray. We said together, amen and amen.